Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. And this morning we want to think about the question, are you a fruitful Christian? Are you a fruitful Christian? As we turn to the scriptures, we are often reminded that agriculture was the mainstay of life in the time when the Lord Jesus Christ was on earth in the land of Israel. And as we are situated here at Guildford, we are surrounded by agriculture on every side. And so the subject is well known and common to us all. We can think of how many times the Lord Jesus Christ used pastoral scenes as a basis for his public uh, discourses. In this 15th chapter of John, it is the cultivation of the vine that the Savior uses to teach his disciples some very important spiritual lessons. One of the most costly and difficult operations of primitive husbandry of that particular age was the preparation and the planting of a vineyard. The first task to be carried out was the encircling of a new plot for uh, a vineyard. And it was hedged about and preserved and kept, something that was done for no other crop in the Middle East other than the production of the vine. After that, there was the laborious task of gathering the stones that would have lain uh, scattered right across the soil and building them into long walls across the vineyard. The vines were then planted, and as they grew and spread, they were trailed on these walls that were built by the stones in order to preserve them from damp and from weeds so that nothing would hinder uh, their growth and their fruit production. Next, a wine press had to be constructed and finally a watchtower erected for the watchmen to guard the fruit from wild animals, from birds, and from robbers, especially during seasons of growth and of harvest. Now, these things were necessary in order to protect the vineyard. An expensive and time-consuming project was the planting of a new vineyard, but the owner was willing to undertake it because... He knew that the day would come when he would reap the reward of his labors. The vines would produce the grapes, and the grapes would be sold, and he would receive profit from the vineyard. And as we think of the vineyard, a spiritual lesson begins 
to emerge from it. God's word tells us how he has planted a vineyard in the wilderness of sin and of wickedness in this world. God has planted his church. He has given a people to Jesus Christ. And we belong to his vineyard in this evil world in which we live. The cost of that planting was great. In fact, it was enormous. It was indeed infinite. For it meant God giving his only son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die for sinners and to purchase their salvation through the shedding of his precious blood. My friends, this morning, I'm glad I'm able to tell you, as you probably know already, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He came to die on the cross of Calvary, to shed his blood there on the tree, that sinners like you and me might be saved, and one day go to heaven to be with Christ forevermore. And you will never be in heaven unless you're saved, unless you come to Christ, and unless you're born again and washed in the blood of the Savior. And so therefore, the emphasis just now is upon the need for the new birth, the need for salvation, the need to come to Christ, the need to look to him and to be saved and to have that blessed assurance and hope that it's well with your soul. And I ask you this morning, is it well with your soul? Are you ready to meet God? Are you ready for eternity? And the readiness that you need is Jesus Christ accepting him as your Savior and your Lord, and the one who purchased your salvation, died for you, and suffered for you, and took your very sins, and they were laid on him, and they were nailed to his cross. Friend, will you trust him today, and lean on him, and be sure of everlasting salvation? As I've said, this was an expensive operation in the planting of the vineyard. And there's no doubt it will cost God his only son. Yes, salvation's free, but it cost the death of Christ. He was wounded for our transgressions. And he was bruised for our iniquities. And by his stripes... We are healed. And as we think of this today, we're glad that the Lord Jesus Christ paid the price for our sin in full. And there's nothing left for me to pay. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin has left its crimson stain. But his blood washes whiter than snow. Friend, you can plunge beneath that 
flood of blood today and be washed from your sins. And so the vineyard of redemption has been planted. It has been hedged about with God's care and with God's protection. And within it are planted those who have been redeemed by the Saviour's precious blood. Oh, have you been planted there? Is your name in the Lamb's book of life? Are you in the vineyard of the Lord, planted by him and hedged around and protected and loved with everlasting love? And just as the husbandman plants the vineyard in anticipation of a harvest, so God has called men and women, young people, and even boys and girls into his vineyard. And he's calling us today into his vineyard that we too might bring forth fruit for him, that we might be fruit-bearing believers and Christians. This is the great lesson of our text in verse 8. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, and so shall ye be my disciples. Let's look at the source of the fruit. The earth, since the fall, does not naturally produce fruit. Rather, if a piece of ground, as you know as well as I do, if it's left alone untouched, it will bring forth weeds and thorns and thistles and will grow up an unseemly specimen. For a garden to be fruitful, it must be tended and good seed must be sown in the soil. And so it is with the human heart. The fruit that God looks for is the fruit of righteousness. But man, since the fall, naturally brings forth the fruits of wickedness, the fruits of sin. By the fall, men are sinners. All mankind by the fall have lost communion with God and are under his wrath and curse and so are made liable to all miseries in this life and even to the pains of hell forever. That's man's natural condition in this world. He's a sinner. He has fallen. He is wicked in heart. He needs God's salvation. He needs the grace of God in his soul. And oh, my dear friend, I tell you today, you need that grace. You need God. You need to trust him. You need to come to him. You need to lean on him. And you need to know him as your savior. And so, if you want to bring forth the fruits of righteousness, then you must know the God of righteousness. You must know his pardoning love. You must know his grace in your heart. You must know his power in your life. 
And for all of that, dear friend, we can experience it through a simple faith in our blessed Savior, the Lord Jesus. The answer to the problem is found in Galatians 5 and verse 22, where Paul writes concerning the believer, the believers throughout Galatia, in all the little churches and places throughout that uh, particular area, he writes this to believers, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, Against such there is no law. It is only by the work of the Holy Spirit in the believer's heart that fruit can be born for the Lord. The flesh cannot bring forth the fruit of the Spirit. It cannot bring forth fruit pleasing unto the Lord. Now we know that God the Holy Ghost dwells in every true believer's heart. In Romans chapter 8 verse 9 we read, If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Do you have the Spirit of Christ in your life and in your heart? If not, then the Bible plainly says you're none of his. You need God, you need Christ. And when you come to Christ, God gives you the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit of God comes to dwell in your life. Enabling you to bring forth the fruits of righteousness. You can't do it of yourself. But the Holy Spirit in you enables you to please God. And to bring forth those fruits which please him in your life. The word of God always distinguishes between what the believer has potentially and what he has practically. Each one who is saved has the indwelling spirit. But if we are to display the fruits of righteousness, we must allow the Holy Spirit to rule our lives. Is God the Holy Spirit ruling your life today? Is he in charge? You see, the temple of the Holy Spirit must not be defiled. And this body that I am in today is the temple of the Holy Ghost. That body that you're in today is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That is, if you're a Christian, if you're born again, if you're God's child, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, we read these words, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. You see, we have scripture for what we say. We have a backing for what we're saying. And then it goes on, If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. There are many people defiling their bodies today through sin and wickedness and evil. We think of transgenderism, the LGBT community destroying their bodies. And what does God say? He that does that, 
Him will God destroy. These people need to be told the truth. These people need to be told and warned of the dangers that lie ahead. They're not only destroying their bodies, they're destroying their souls. They're paving their way to hell. And they'll be lost for all eternity. Oh, we need to warn as well as teach and preach and show the love of Christ. Friends, these are important matters. And today, sin is running wild. Sin is rampaging up and down the land and right across the world. It's coming in like a flood. But praise God, the Spirit of God can raise up the standard against this sin. And we need to tell people in love to their souls that they're only destroying themselves. Man is his own destroyer. He's his own destructor. He's his own dammer as it will as he paves his way to a Christless eternity. Are you destroying your body today through drink and drugs, immorality and sin of all kinds? My friend, I ask you these questions in love to your soul because you do need the grace of God. You do need salvation. You do need Christ in your heart. Sin in the life causes chastisement from God in heaven. And such is not the way for Christians. And it's not the way to be fruitful believers It also means that the person of the Holy Spirit must not be grieved. The Holy Spirit is a person, a real person. His work is to lead, to guide, and to direct the child of God. If we refuse his guidance, then like any person, he will be grieved. Have you not been grieved as a father? When your children do not take your guidance? Have you not been grieved and hurt when your children have deliberately disobeyed your voice? And if we are children of God today and we disobey his voice and we go against his will, Is he not grieved as our heavenly father? Is he not grieved? Is he not in some senses hurt? Do we not hurt our God when we disobey the Lord? Surely we do that so many times. But God wants us to glorify him. He wants us to be fruit-bearing Christians, bearing the fruit of the Spirit spirit in our lives following on to know him going through with him and knowing the Lord daily in our lives 
in verse 5 of this chapter, Jesus said, I am the vine, and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. No one can bring forth fruit except through Jesus Christ. No one could mistake the truth Christ is teaching here when he says, I am the vine and you're the branches. Simply conjure up in your mind the imagery of the vine and its branches. And you will see a plain picture of the truth of our union between Christ and his people. Christ and his people. The branch and the vine. The branch is united to the vine. And the child of God is united to Christ. He is united to God. What a privilege. For a wicked, hell-deserving sinner like me to be gloriously saved and to become united to God in heaven, never to be separated. What a blessing. And what a thrill, thrilling experience it is to know that. To know it in your heart, in your mind, throughout your whole being. And to have the confidence and knowledge and assurance that it's well with your soul. There's no blessing like it in this world. Oh, what shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world? Just think of it. Alexander the Great gained the entire world of his day. He conquered it. At the age of 33, he was the ruler of the world. And because there were no more worlds to conquer, he got depressed. And with his depression, he died at the age of 33. Is there any more applicable verse to a man like that than the one I've just quoted? What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world? And you mightn't gain the whole world, but maybe you're gaining your riches and your earthly things. And you're laying up store upon earth but you're neglecting the storage of heaven. What will it profit you if you lose your soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Thank God it's a real thing to be united to Jesus Christ, to be in him, and to bring forth fruit in our lives to his pleasing for his glory. For thereby ye know that ye are his children. What an assurance it brings. Oh, I trust and pray that the Lord will help all of us to make sure we're in Christ today. We're bearing fruit for him today. We love him with all our hearts. We serve him with all our strength. And we're looking forward to his coming again when he'll bring his rewards with him and we shall meet him and we shall be with him and we shall enjoy him for all eternity.
I asked you, is it well with your soul today? Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? And are you fully trusting in his grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb?